0: So we're on the last part of this conversation. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. All the Anglicans said, Amen. Yeah, you don't really say Amen, you say, and also with you. Um, but it's Palm Sunday. And then the Sunday after that, it's it's um yeah, it's Passover, right? Um so if you're considering getting baptized, please would you let us know. And we're actually planning a little class before you get baptized, so you kind of know what it's about and what you're doing. So we'd like to invite you to do that. And straight after uh, Resurrection Sunday morning service, we're going to do baptisms outside. In fact, actually, we're doing baptisms during the worship also. Didn't we say that, Uh, Next Sunday morning, and we are broadcasting some of that into the service as a testimony. So I'm pretty excited about that. And there will be an evening service through all of that. Okay, so um, this week I'm going to wrap up. Um, Is that still a thing? I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5. So if you have a Bible app and you want to follow along, I mean, it's just a thing pastors say. Generally, uh, you go home and you you look it up uh, at home. But if you do want to follow along, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there, before the altar and go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Okay, so that's a pretty big passage of Scripture. Lots to talk about there. We could be talking about forgiving and we could be talking about gifts and we could be talking about a great deal of things. But I want to ask the question tonight, are altars still a thing? Are altars still a thing? Do you have an altar, and, and, and should you? I'd like to have that conversation with you tonight. And that's because uh, in the Old Testament, sacrifices were done on an altar, lambs and rams. Jesus is our sacrifice in the New Testament. But the altar still exists. Jesus is the sacrifice. No longer do we sacrifice Rams and lambs, and I'm very happy about that uh, because Jesus was one sacrifice forever. But do you uh, know what an altar is and do you have one? And it's not something you can get from take a lot. You wouldn't be able to go online tonight and order yourself an altar. It's something you make. Now, to start that conversation off, I need to tell you that we all have altars. We just don't call them that. So you're going to see that any routine you do religiously is an altar. So for example, some of you have like early morning routines. Now, I'm assuming that since you're the 6 p.m. people, you probably don't have an early morning routine. I'm just going to, I'm going to just chance it that you've got an evening routine, Um, But an early morning routine would be like if you got out out of bed at a certain time and you've got your ways for the next half an hour. If you've got ways that people know not to interrupt, because if they interrupt your ways, you might be grumpy. That's an altar. How many of you know what I'm talking about now? How How many of you are coffee people? And you've got a coffee altar at home. I've got one. It's a place, Andrew. Andrew, I know you do. Jesus is going to set you free today. Jesus is going to say, because he came to my house as part of a leadership team thing and made coffee. Thank you for doing that. You did a very, very good job. My coffee machine, thanks you. It's never been that clean before. But, but he saw that something was missing at my altar, a, a little pad, you know, on which to tamper the coffee. And so for my birthday, Andrew got me a little tamper pad, which I think is really lovely. Thank you very much. I've got a little space. Everything's there. It's got a little jug. It's got a little mat. It's got a little throwaway bin thing. I've got a little place, a spot. It's a kind of altar. Some of you uh, might have clothing altars. Uh, Maybe you're the type of person that before you go to bed, You put out in a grid formation what you plan to wear the next day. Anybody like that, by the way? I've just always wanted to meet somebody. Really, Mark, really? (laughs) I've just always wanted to meet. If uh, You know those people who who Instagram post like the little thing, I'm wearing this watch with those underpants which match that sock and that thing. Anybody here does that just as a matter of interest? How many of you, your clothing altar is the random selection of whatever is washed, in the order in which it appears in the cupboard. I don't know if you'd like to just... Okay, I haven't noticed that because all of you are dressed so nicely. So I just can't believe that that is true. There's no way that just happened. You put it together. Some of you have skin routine alters. Now, let me just explain. Now, the white people aren't going to understand what we're talking about. So I'm just going to be honest with you. I'll never forget... uh, one of my friends, a black friend, gave me a hug about a year ago, and then it was summer, and he hugged me and his, his hands came down to just say goodbye. And, and they, he touched my elbows. And he just looked at me and he said, "Ay, ay, I, I am fel." I said, "What's wrong?" He said, "Your elbows are like that of an old dog." I'm not even joking. I was shocked. He said, um, he said what's, your, what's your moisturizing routine? <laughs> I'm an adult. I haven't moisturized since I was a baby. He said, please, can the white people learn something from the black people? You must moisturize. If you don't moisturize, you're going to look like old leather. <laughs> I'm just telling you something that happened to me. Take it, leave it. It's not political. It's just a thing. But now I am full in on Nivea. Nivea man. Nivea man. After the shower. Under the eyes. On the eyebrows. How do you think I look like this at 71? <laughs> under the elbows. Down the legs. You've got, to, you've got to moisturize so that you can escape the work of the devil quickly. And slide. Those are, these are routines. Now, uh, a thing you do as an act of repetition, is an altar. So you have altars. And there is a conversation to be had here about whether you have included a spiritual altar, which is a thing you do by an act of repetition that is spiritual. And how important it is to build altars. In fact, let me take you to a few places in Scripture. Acts chapter 17 Verse 23 says this, uh, For as I was passing through and uh, considered the objects of your worship, this uh, Paul is in in Greece, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, uh, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. This is one of the teachers of the faith, great teachers of the faith, coming to a, a culture or a, a nation, the Greek nation at the time didn't know Christ and said to them, you are building altars, you just don't know that you're supposed to build one to God. So you think you're building an altar. It has no name, in other words, a routine. But I want to tell you that the routine of your life should be connected to a living and true God. And maybe you're building your altars and alter around the wrong thing. Maybe your routine is money. Maybe your altar is financial. Maybe the way you pack your wallet is like religious. And that's your altar. Maybe your altar is the routine on your social media. Oh, it's very quiet now. You know, I talk to people who are quite good on social media that time, oh no, they, they they post on a routine. On Monday they post this, and on Wednesday they post that, and on Thursday. Influencers, you know. Somebody okay. having a chuckle there. Were you once an influencer? Or were you planning to be an influencer? I find it interesting, excuse me, that things like that, our clothing has a routine. Our morning has a routine, our coffee has a routine, our social media has posting, and then Jesus. No routine. I think that's a trick of the devil to preoccupy you with altars to the unknown gods and rob you of the opportunity of building a life at an altar for the one known true living God Jesus Christ. Don't don't fall for the trick. In fact, um, the Bible teaches us, encourages us through example and through teaching that we should try to make our altar to the Lord our first altar. So I I want to encourage you that building an altar is about what you do first. See? So let's call it the altar of first things. Um, Some of you... um, I know the story of Noah. You were taught it, I'm sure, at some point in Kids, in Kids' Church. Our Kids' Church people are out here, wonderful people, sang me a song this morning. I don't know, but I've been told, Pastor George is getting old, is how that song went. It's really lovely. I won't be posting it on my social media routine. I'm joking, I'm joking. I will. I will. It's very sweet. Um. And a lot of people uh, um, like to quote, you know, the Christians, the people who are new, sort of newish Christians or or, or or criticizers of Christianity, they like to say, well, Noah, he got off the boat, and the first thing he did is he got drunk. So I don't know if you know, but he had been on the boat so long, he planted a vineyard, he got the grapes, he made one, and he had a party, but only by with himself. So it wasn't, you know. Um, But that didn't happen on the same day he got out the boat. It takes quite a long time to plant a vineyard. It took a few years later. Do you know what the Bible says the first thing he did? Built an altar. Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. God's covenant with creation. Um, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on that altar. The first thing Noah actually did was to get his feet back on land. The flood had come. His life was new. It's a it's a story of being born again. You know, the Bible says in John 3 uh, uh, that uh, that uh, um, uh, we should be born again of both of the water and of, of wind. Um, in other words, a natural birth and a spiritual birth. Well, Noah's story is about the world getting another chance. It was a flood and a kind of born again. Do you know the first thing this born again world did build an altar, and say, my first routine will be to go before God on this ground and say, Lord, I dedicate this land to you, this day to you, this life to you. Will you walk with me and talk? You see, the reason why he survived the mistake of drunkenness was because he at least started his journey at a place of sacrifice. Do you know how many people, they want Noah's mistake, but they don't want Noah's sacrifice. But it was the sacrifice that got him through the mistakes. Now come pick which ones you like. I like David. I'm like David. The man after God's own heart had an affair. Shame. That's not the only thing about David. Lost everything. Hid in a cave. Child of his affair died before his eyes. The people lost their respect for him. The people who called him king threw stones at him. He had to go before the Lord, wrote half the Psalms. They include phrases like, why have you forsaken me, oh my God? Created me a clean heart, renewed me a right spirit, cleansed me of my wickedness. He wrote all that. Which part of David do you want to be? (laughs) You could have the one. You could have the other one, other half. Noah's the same. Shame, Noah. He made this mistake. He He had too much of the grape juice that kind that didn't go in the fridge. Né? But his life started at an altar. And you need to build an altar. I think you can't, you, know, you can't let your altar be dictated by pressure, by an alarm clock, by superficial things like coffee. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a coffee guy. I've got to tell you, Andrew. Thank you for helping me be a coffee guy. I'm a coffee guy. Our people... Who train Red Band, right? Red Band coffee shops, the trainers and organization, is a guy called Sean O'Pice, and the head of our foundation who runs Red Band, Ryan Larue, in El Salvador at an international competition for coffee baristas and roasters. And Sean won the International Coffee Roasters Award globally. How amazing is that? They tell me, they tell me they're coming back with a little mini roaster to roast coffee beans and they're going to put it in warehouse one. We're going to roast coffee on Sundays and we're going to have a whole father's house coffee bean available. Anyway, that's just the Greek in me doing a bit of marketing. But, but here's the thing. Oh, this is where I was going. I am amazed at how many people will tell me uh, I'm not myself until I've had my first cup of coffee. And yet it is so hard for us to say, I'm not myself until I've prayed my prayer and read my Bible verse. What's wrong here? What's going on with your altar? Are you worshiping at the altar of caffeine, which is dictating your mood, but you can't see that there is need for an altar of salvation or spirituality that is going to dictate? Surely that's not good. You know, then the people laugh at us. They think, I can't take you people seriously. You're more hooked on caffeine than you are on Christ. Just keep an eye on that one, you know? Now, look, coffee is godly. It is God's way of reaching the lost and motivating the saved. But watch your altars. That's what I'm saying. Isn't it funny that the devil tries to copy a poor copy of everything God does? You know, to be spirit-filled in the early days of the church, you would come forward and, and a minister would lay hands on you or a leader would lay hands on you and pray for you and you'd be filled uh, with the Spirit and you would uh, be born again. And the devil creates a, a poor substitute for that. And all over the world um, tonight and on many nights, people looking for relief from life, will walk up to a counter that they think is an altar and buy themselves a drink, and a bartender who's their pastor will give them something to fill them up. And the funny thing is they'll charge them for that and criticize the church for money, but they'll charge them for that and send them home with a short relief because all that is is a cheap knockoff of a biblical idea, you shall not be drunk with wine where it is in debauchery, but you shall be filled with the Spirit. And speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. And people are leaving uh, false altars singing and making melody to nonsense. And we are called to come to spiritual altars and sing and make melody to the Lord and go home with healed hearts. Got to build altars. So an altar is built on your first thing. You know, when you start a, a relationship, you know the first thing you should do once you're, you you formalize that, you pray a prayer. You bring the Lord into that thing as quickly as possible, and try and add Jesus in later. Jesus is not like just add water for the rehydration of instant food. You bring Jesus in as soon as you can. You get over the awkwardness; going to be awkward. going a giggle a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I start again? But You pray. You buy a house. Doesn't matter how small the house, how big. It could be a one-bedroom thing. It can be a mansion. You pray a prayer. You step out that ark onto new land, and you build an altar to the Lord, and you say, this is how I want to live my life. You say amen to this. First things. First thing you do. Learn the value of first things, because... If you don't, the thing that gets your attention first gets your attention best. You must just remember that. The thing that gets your attention first gets your attention best. And then secondly, altars are things we are faithful to. So an altar is the thing you do first and then the thing you do faithfully. You are, I'm, Guys, I'm just not myself if I don't do certain things. I... Uh, don't know why, uh, but even after brushing my teeth at night when I go to bed, I feel like Jesus sends some sheep to sleep in my mouth during the night, and the next morning, just mm. I can't go for very long without brushing up a bit. Now I know saints who will tell me, "Ah, oh, they'll do it at ten o'clock, you know, before they leave the house." I'm sorry. That altar doesn't work for me. It probably doesn't work for people in your life, which is why you're leaving your house alone at 10 o'clock. <laughs> is that too much? It's late now and I'm losing my filters. So that's, it's not, you've got, to, you've got to, so let me contextualize that spiritually. Uh, I don't read my Bible because I am afraid something will go wrong. I read my Bible because I am afraid something good was looking for me and I wasn't there when he wanted to give it to me. He was waiting for me in the room to give me some gift, some revelation, some blessing. I just didn't show up. I'm never afraid of the devil. He's defeated. He's supposed to be afraid of me. So let's not confuse our relationship, me and the devil. I don't think, oh, I you know, prayed too short or I didn't read enough. Oh, now he's going to fiddle with the traffic lights on the way to work and they're all going to be red. No, he's done. But, I, but I'm more concerned that the Lord has blessing in mind and I don't show up to pick it up. He's my spiritual take a lot. And I wasn't there to sign for it. Show up, sign for it, and see what heaven has sent to you. Can you say amen? Just faithfully, faithfully, faithfully. Uh, Do you know, it's, um, some people are very faithful when they're going through tough times. And then they get less faithful under blessings. And then some people are the other way around, actually. Good times get them before the Lord more. Um, learn in good times or bad times to be faithful. Don't, don't be a fair weather friend and pick only certain days or certain times. Just be faithful. Uh, the thing you are faithful to uh, is your altar. Some people are faithful to people who are unfaithful to them. <laughs> and do you know, some things you think are faithful or not faithful, eh? Money is not a faithful friend. <laughs> Money is a cheat. And, and I think we have to be wise about what we're faithful to and what we, we take value from. So, an altar, a thing you do first, uh, a thing you do faithfully. J- James chapter 2, verse 20 says, uh, But um, do you not know, oh, that next word's hectic, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Uh, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? You know that verse is basically saying words are wonderful, but unless you put your words into action by putting some things on an altar, work and words have to work together then you have perfect faith. People think perfect faith is being a perfect person. You can't be a perfect person on the side of heaven. Only Jesus can be the perfect part of you. But I'll tell you, you can have perfect faith. Perfect faith is when my words and my works, my actions work together. Now, now I've got something. God was saying to Abram, you've got a lot of words, Abram. Let's see if you've got some works, some actions and see what comes from that. So uh, what we do first, what we do faithfully. And then an altar has one other little biblical reference that I think we should end the night on. And that is that um, it was a place where, f- where fire, where it was the place where fire was lit. Um, you know when we say, we used to, I don't know if it's still a thing, literally during the sermon, it's a good question to ask, but you know, people it used to be a thing that if something was really cool or on point or appropriate, you would say it was lit. It's not a thing anymore. Hey? It's 2019. Um, also, I think you must say it when you're 16, not when you not. Okay. Okay. Letting that one go. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, they would make a fire and put an offering on it. So it would be called a burnt offering. And I'm sure you've made a joke about your, someone's cooking, your parents cooking. They cooked it too much, and you said, "Ah, oh, burnt offering." Now that's obviously not the reference. Some of you are burnt offering cooks. Okay, I'll see you because there was immediate guilt and shame in some of you. Look down, your partner nudged you. So, I'm very sorry to have brought it up in church. Uh, that's, but then, sometimes when God was trying to prove that He is powerful, they wouldn't light a fire. They just put the offering on the altar. And the fire would come from heaven and light the altar. And the idea was this two-part relationship. I'll bring the sacrifice. He'll bring the fire. And where Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar, God produced one part. Abraham produced the other. Uh, In that instance, the lamb was produced by God and the fire was and so um, there is this relationship with God that uh, when we build our lives uh, in a, at an altar through this routine of, of giving God first and giving God best and giving God routine, um, faithfulness, uh, that He puts fire on your life. And fire on your life symbolically has quite a few things in the scripture. First of all, it burns out the rubbish and makes gold purer. It is the warmth of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is the light by which we see. His word is a lamp unto our path, a light unto our feet. It is the warmth that attracts other warm people to the light. It is the light that chases away the darkness. It is the fire that touches uh, our our souls in the filling of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. It is it is uh, the the fire of of presence of God and power of God. A lot of people are praying, God, please will you come into my life? Will you be present? Please will you be? But I do want to encourage you uh, that the minute you build an altar, He'll put the fire. And there's something really, really beautiful about that. I want to end, um, I want to, I'm going to pray tonight that you'll build an altar. So at the end, just think about that. We're going to pray. If you feel like things are out of control, you're struggling to keep the pieces together, this is what you need. Wisdom from God to build an altar of first things, faithful things, full of fire things in your life and it'll all come together perfectly. Can you say amen to that? So you need to build an altar, metaphorically speaking. Uh, I was once um, um, listening to two professors debate, Christian guys. And the one guy was happy-clappy. You know what I mean when I say happy-clappy? Like just hand-raising, tongue-speaking, demon-casting, Happy Clappy. The other one was normal. That <laughs> sort of suggests where my, my <laughs> anxieties lie. I've been both, by the way. and Sometimes I think I'm a bit of both anyway. Anyway, the one, guy, uh, the one guy, the Happy Clappy, said to the other professor, he said, the problem with you guys is that you know how to build nice fireplaces, but you don't know how to make a fire. And the other professor said to the other guy, the problem with you is you make fires everywhere, not in a fireplace, and burn everything down. The point is you need fire and a fireplace or else what is meant for help becomes harm. And I wanted to encourage you, let's have both. Let's have a fireplace but also the fire. And let's make sure that, that that allows our faith to be built well, but not to be built cold. To be be built well, but also warm. Can you say amen to that? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Um, so I, I, I want to take a moment to, to, to really pray with you and invite you to respond. So I've got got—I've given myself three minutes and 54 seconds. I know I'm the only one who's worried about that. Um, but I do want to respond. So I, I want to invite you to respond. Um, and the goal here is to respond to the question, Lord, uh, I want to build an altar in my life, a spiritual altar. It's a metaphorical thing. And I'm sorry if I've been building altars unintentionally to things that aren't really that important. I just want to get the order right. And then the second thing I want to to encourage you to respond on is this idea of of building well, but building warm, a fireplace and a fire. So let's take it to the Lord. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your word. It is truth to us. It is life to us. Thank you, Lord, that um, throughout Scripture... Uh, righteous men and women built altars. And there was a strength in the building of those altars that stabilised and strengthened them even when their, 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 their feet stumbled, and when they got it wrong. There was, still, there was something that they, they built, the things they did at first and the things they did faithfully and the things that they did to keep the fire burning that kept them solid. So tonight, we ask you to help us build altars, biblically sound and appropriate altars, to put everything else in its rightful place. So in the context of that, just while everyone's eyes are closed, we just have a holy moment We've got an extra minute. If things are not connecting properly for you, or you're struggling to keep all the pieces together in some kind of way, and you've realized I need to have an altar of things I do first, faithful and full of fire. I'd like to pray with you. And so if that's you, just would you kindly let me know who I'm praying for by raising your hand long enough for me to see it and go, yeah, that's me. I have figured out an equation tonight that I need to get right. I don't have an altar before the Lord. It's unintentional or accidental. It's not helpful. I'm sorry. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very many. Very many raising hands. And then secondly, this equation of building well and then building warm. Maybe full of fire, but you don't have a plan. Maybe you got a plan, but you just don't have any fire. There's just no warmth in it. Whichever part of that equation you are, if you need prayer in that area, you can also raise your hand long enough for me to see it and say, you need to pray for me about that one. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I want to invite you at the end, if you feel my prayer with you isn't enough, it hasn't hit the mark, come forward and ask one of these good people to pray with you in person. And we've become quite strict about this, that, that the people with lanyards on, little, just little markers, so we don't have random things happening. But we are intentional, and we are praying about it, and we're getting ready for you before you come to church, that God will meet you. Okay, having said that, let me do that prayer. Father, thank you. For every hand that was raised representing a need, a deficiency, or an opportunity, and a desire to build well and warm, to have a plan. But to have life in that plan, to have a spark in that plan, to have faith in that plan, Father, in Jesus' name, will you do something supernatural to shake us out of accidental routines and build our lives around intentional, deliberate routines. We have altars, some of them are false altars, and some of them are just pointless altars. We pray that you will teach us to build and establish biblical altars in our lives. The things we do at first, the things we do faithfully and the things that have fire in them that light up our lives and, and lead us spiritually. Will you help us do that we pray in Jesus name. And everybody said would you give God one last shout of praise? It's